0: Ben Zawalski turned his passion for CrossFit into a highly successful six-figure authority site business. Today, I'll be interviewing him to find out what he did to get where he is today. We'll look at Ben's unusual traffic building source using viral video, how he builds successful courses, his strategy for successful product launches, including the mistakes he's made, and how a regular guy with little to no technical skills can go on to grow an online business empire in just a few short years.
1: Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. The place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business and finally live life on your own terms. Now your host Gael and Mark. Ben Jawalski,
0: welcome to the podcast.
1: I am excited to be here, man.
0: Before we get started and go through your journey of how you got here, which is super interesting, can you just give our listeners a quick overview of your site, the URL, what it does, and how you make money from it?
1: Absolutely. So I run a website called Wadprep.com, and that's W-O-D-P-R-E-P.com. And I serve the CrossFit market. So anyone who is interested in CrossFit and wants to get better at it, those are the customers that I serve. And I serve them by creating basically programs that they can follow to increase their skills. In working out the program you follow, basically that's the workouts that you do. And I offer accessory programs to help people, I guess, expedite their skill acquisition. So if someone is a CrossFitter and they want to get better at jumping rope, they would find our various pieces of free content floating around the interweb, and then they would land on our page, we'd get them on our email list, and then eventually they're going to be pitched the Double Unders Unleashed course that WOD Prep has, which is a program that's going to help someone increase their potential to learn how to jump rope for CrossFit. And they'll buy that program. And that's pretty much it. And we've repeated that across all of the various skills that are involved in CrossFit.
0: So essentially, your business is selling video training courses. Yes.
1: So it's definitely, it's a, it's what many people will call an info product business. Obviously, I like to think it's a little bit more than that. But it's pure we sell information business we don't really do any physical products other than maybe a couple t-shirts but the actual bread and butter how we make money is selling that information how to get better at these individual skills in CrossFit
0: awesome and I will get into the specific courses and so sort of why you decided to go with this model in a little bit but just to rewind the clock for a sec how did you get started in this? What, what did you do before you, you launched this site?
1: So basically, I ran a CrossFit gym. I graduated from college in North Carolina, uh, NC State University in the East Coast of the United States. What did you study? I, was, <laughs> I actually studied agricultural business management. And it's basically the business management curriculum, but it's taught in the ag school where the classes are like 25 people rather than 250 people. So my advisor was like, hey, you can get the same degree and just have much smaller classes which with better teachers if you go the ag business route. And I'm like, yep, that sounds great. And what? I don't have to take chemistry? I'm in. That's what I have. I technically have an agricultural business management degree. <laughs> so yeah, when I graduated with that prestigious degree... I ended up opening my own CrossFit gym and then a few years later I got engaged and my wife is actually active duty in the U.S. military. So she's in the U.S. Navy. So when we got engaged and she started moving around the country, it was like, hey, I either stay home in Maryland and keep running my CrossFit gym or I follow my soon-to-be wife around. I think if anyone's ever been engaged or in a long-term relationship before, they know what the correct answer is to that question or that (laughs) predicament. And that is you drop everything and you follow your significant other around or else you'll face severe consequences. So that's what I did. I sold my CrossFit gym. And upon realizing that I was going to need to travel around the world and I didn't have any say over where that was in the world, I started investigating basically online business. A friend of a friend was like, Oh, I sell stuff online and, you know, check out this guy and, and learn from him. And I don't even know the rabbit hole I eventually went down, but but ultimately it led me to on un- understanding what an, an online information product business was. And I was like, I think I can make this work. That's I guess the briefly explained explanation of I, I started learning about CrossFit in college, just, you know, as for fun, ended up opening a CrossFit gym right out of college. Um, It was a small gym that expanded. And then I sold my equity, so my 50% of that gym, and then was like, now what the heck am I going to do? There's absolutely no way I'm going to get a real job, like not a chance in the world. My wife came home one day and kind of gave me an ultimatum like, Ben, you got to do something. You can't just write diagrams on a whiteboard about business ideas, you might start one day, you got to do something. And then I was like, all right, looks like I'm gonna try this. And then it led me to start making videos and eventually selling my first basically course. So yeah.
0: What was your experience level at this time? Like, I mean, you said you had a a CrossFit box, uh, CrossFit gym business, I presume you had some kind of experience in maybe building websites or, or marketing that at, uh, in some way, at least. What was any of the, no, <laughs> no,
1: no. <laughs> like, I- I'm sorry. I-, I have to cut you off right there. Cause I just have to g- give everyone an idea of how little I knew about the, about online business, about creating a website, about anything. While I was still working for my CrossFit gym, I had just moved away and I was like, hey, you know, don't worry. I'll keep ownership in the gym and I'm going to help do everything online marketing. And I'm going to like, we're going to be great at online marketing because this is when I had just started investigating how to do business online. I hadn't sold my gym yet, but I was like, kind of seeing the future, like I'm going to need to figure out something that I can do and stay mobile. The internet is the answer. So one day I was creating a landing page because I, you know, I took some free training. It was someone's funnel I was in. I took some free training and they told me I needed to make a landing page. So I bought lead pages. I'm pretty sure it was $200. And I was like, oh my, this is the most expensive thing I've ever purchased online. This is ridiculous. I bought lead pages and I took an entire week literally seven days of eight hours a day, just to create one landing page that functioned properly on other people's computers. I can get it to work on mine. I couldn't figure out why I was only working on mine and not working on anyone else's. I still don't even know why to this day. But the landing page, for whatever reason, in my brain needed to have a video playing in the background. It had to have it. And I spent, I kid you not, well over 40 hours, well over 40 hours just trying to figure out how to embed this video on this landing page that I don't think we ended up using. So to answer your question, Mark, no, I had no clue what I was doing when I first started my quote unquote online business. Literally the only thing I had going for me was being able to like stand in front of a camera uh, and not be shy and be able to talk about something that I knew. Uh, that was it. I had no clue how to do the the website thing, and still don't really to this day, for that matter.
0: Ah, that's not true. I've seen your site; it's pretty good. You must have a good amount of experience now, even if you don't recognize it. It's like a learn by doing type thing,
1: and and also learn by outsourcing. If there's one thing I've known, like design and and like doing anything with our website. I outsource the people at the drop of a hat immediately because I understand that it's well outside of my expertise. And the case in point is when I eventually created my own website that was more than just a landing page, I was like, oh my gosh, remember that one time it took me over a week just to create one really awful non-functional landing page? I should probably just pay someone else to do this. And that's what I did.
0: Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur or a content creator or what label do you typically apply to yourself?
1: Business ideas and business initiatives and ideas for other people's businesses, they flow through me freely. So I, I certainly like to think of myself as an entrepreneur. I love identifying gaps in a marketplace, like, Hey, the people want this and the products that are being delivered do this. There's a gap here that needs to be solved. That's what you know really led me to start Wad prep is I saw a gap after running my CrossFit box or CrossFit affiliate. I saw what was missing in my community. And then I ended up being able to fill that for a lot of people once I, I launched the business. So I'd say I'm an entrepreneur uh, and looking back, In my past, I used to be a fishing guide. I started, I was selling these rocks that I found behind my house to my childhood neighbors when I was like five years old. I used to sell like baseball cards and basketball cards and I would just hustle at school trying to get people to buy cards of their favorite players. So like, I don't know, it's kind of always been in my blood. So yes, I've always been an entrepreneur.
0: I can definitely relate to that. When I was 12, I started a a pokemon trading card business i was importing these japanese pokemon cards and selling them a crazy markup to the local kids as well so yeah sounds like we have something similar going on there cut from the same cloth (laughs) so how did you start wad prep you mentioned you had a few ideas you you had lead pages i think it was you toyed around with with a few things how did that eventually evolve into what is now wad prep and once you started that how did you get the business going
1: There's a major event every year in the CrossFit market, and that's called the CrossFit Open. Basically, it's a worldwide online competition where hundreds of thousands of people all do the same workout, and then they're ranked based on their score. And it's a very major event. Just as I was realizing I needed to sell my ownership of the gym and start something, the CrossFit Open was upon us. So it was actually about this time. 4 years ago? Is that right? It was either 4 or 5 years ago. Not great with dates. I want to say it was it was 4 years ago. Actually no, 5 years ago. It was 5 years ago. I had this epiphany that I was going to sell an ebook to teach people how to get a better score in the CrossFit Open. Because everyone else sells ebooks and that's the thing you do when you go on to internet business, you sell ebooks. And I had this great idea. I was, you know, obviously to my wife's chagrin going to my whiteboard that I actually still have on the wall behind me. And I was drawing maps and, you know, funnel diagrams of all these, you know, things I was going to do to sell this, you know, $9 ebook with a $27 upsell and blah, blah, blah. I'd like had this whole funnel mapped out. And then I was like, wait a minute, Ben, you don't have an audience and you don't have credibility. Both of those things are working against you. So I took a deep breath, I scrapped that idea or put it on the back burner, and I said, what if I just spend the next foreseeable future just making really good free content and see how that goes? So I I don't exactly remember what, when, or what caused the epiphany, but I switched from, here I'm gonna sell this low ticket item to people that will buy, even though I don't know where those people are. And I switched to, let's just make some free content and give a lot of value and see what happens. And sure enough, that year for the CrossFit Open, the workout was, was released. I shot a really long, really boring, really terrible video <laughs> and posted it on a, a Facebook page that I made like the day before. I invited all of my Facebook friends to like the page I tagged all of my Facebook friends in the post and then I just released this video to the world. And sure enough, people engaged with it. They commented on it. They're like, wow, this is great strategy. I'm going to share it with my gym. Wow, that was a great point you made. I'm going to share this with all of my coaches. And slowly but surely, I started to see a little bit of traction. So then I did it again and I did it again and I did it again for all five weeks of the CrossFit Open. And at the end of the CrossFit Open... I actually had a bit of a following. And I'd say the the smartest thing that I ever did was as soon as I came up with the idea to, you know, release this free content, I created a landing page. And I don't I don't think I've ever been able to find it on the Wayback Machine, but I wish I could find it. I might have to do some digging for you, Mark, because if you can see this landing page, it was the most hideous thing you have ever seen. It was even worse than the one that I made before, but I had a place where I could send people. So I would make this video. It'd give a lot of free content. And then I was like, Hey, if you like this video, go to wadprep.com and sign up for my email list. You know, I don't have anything to give you just sign up for it because I'm going to release a bunch of really great stuff. I promise. And at the end of the the five weeks of the CrossFit open that first year, I think I had over a hundred email subscribers. It was like 120 or something like that. And I still remember to this day when I got my first random email to Ben at, or whatever my old fake Gmail account email address was, I got an email and they were like, hey, saw your video, loved it. Want to know if you have any pointers on this? And I was like, oh my God, a stranger found me on the internet. And it kind of all snowballed from there. And you know, we can obviously get into the growth later. But that was, like, that was the seed that, that really, or that was the decision that really made the big influence it was not trying to monetize immediately and instead focusing on creating value establishing myself as an authority and growing my email list that was the best decision I ever made
0: i think that's such a good takeaway like focus on creating as much value as possible and it will just if you keep doing that enough it will just snowball from from there i think it's there's a bit of a common thread i would say these days where people are less focused on creating value and more obsessed with what keyword can I rank for and and this kind of thing. But I think that ethos, which you've clearly started with and has sort of translated into to where your business is today, I think that's necessary. And I think that's part of the reason why you're you've gone on to be so successful with your courses at the moment. That's awesome. So that was kind of the the initial, let's say, seed of the business. How did you go from there to the tipping point where you realized, hey, I'm making money from this? This is a real business.
1: So, all when this started, we were in Florida, which is basically the southern dangly thing off of the United States on the East Coast. And then we moved from Florida to California to San Diego, which is like the quintessential Southern California, sunny and palm trees everywhere. We moved there for my wife's work. During that move, I had you know, just completed the CrossFit Open. We had this email list. I say we, it was just me. We as in me, myself and I had this email list and I still had no clue what I was gonna do with it. So I didn't do anything for like five months. I was brainstorming, trying to figure out what my purpose was on earth and you know, lost and just kind of chasing my tail around, reading a bunch of books, really had no idea what I was doing. And again, my wife gave me a pep talk I guess is what we'll call it, where she's like, Ben, like I don't care what you do. You got to do something. Just do something, right? And maybe if you can't figure anything out, go get a job at Costco because we lived really close to a Costco. And I was like, oh my God, she doesn't believe in me. I'm not going to get a job at Costco. This is going to be a real business. I'm going to launch something next month. So I decided to create a course, basically a video coaching course where I taught People, how to do CrossFit's most complex movement, and that is the ring muscle up. And what I did was, I went to the gym, I spent an entire day shooting videos, and then I put all of that together into kind of like a step by step coaching curriculum, uploaded all those videos. I think at that point, maybe I had like invested in ClickFunnels, I believe. So I uploaded all those videos into like a super ugly ClickFunnels course. And then I sent this, I would call it a manifesto. Like one of the longest emails I've ever sent in my entire life. And at the very bottom of this email, somewhere probably very difficult to find was a link where you could buy this course. So like basically the moral of the story here is I broke all of the rules. I didn't do anything correct other than take action and create something to sell. So I created this course. I sent this horribly non-salesy email and like sold for my heels and say, Hey, maybe if you're someone who's kind of interested in maybe learning how to do a muscle up, you should maybe probably buy this course. Uh, and I sent this email and I think I sent it at like three in the morning or like four in the morning because if it, it took me all night to like write the email and actually send it, I wrote it at like Sent it, I think, at four in the morning. Went to bed, slept for like three hours, and I was so excited. I woke up, I refreshed my email, and there were no sales, zero. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm a failure." So I went back to bed and just like slept for like another five or six hours until my wife comes home and is like, "Ben, are you still sleeping? Are you kidding me?" And I was like, "Oh, I spent all night selling this thing." And she's like, "Well, did you sell any?" And I was like, "No." And then I refreshed my email. And I had like three sales come in and I like freaked out. I was like, I did it. I made 60 bucks on the internet. And that was like, that was the first time, I guess that was another major step. If there's like a staircase here that we're envisioning, that was another like huge step where it's like, oh my God, I've proven that I can actually sell something via email to people I don't know. And they bought something from a stranger about how to do a silly CrossFit movement. Like there's something here. So that was like the next major tipping point. And my wife was kinda like, Oh wow, that's cool. You actually sold something. Like, all right. Yeah, keep doing that. And I think over the next week I ended up selling like a couple hundred dollars worth of stuff. And then it just kind of really lit the fire under me to
0: keep going. Did you have any I guess social pressure from your your fiance, your wife, about not having a job and not kind of making something of yourself at the time?
1: It wasn't too much pressure. It wasn't like she was guilting me. Here she is, a helicopter pilot in the US Navy, really high pressure job. She's working really long hours, working her ass off. And she kind of sees her husband, who used to be like a business owner. Like I, I used to work really long hours at the gym. You know, we bootstrapped it from nothing and launched this gym. And I was hustling really hard. And then she kind of saw me like in this funk where I just had no clue what I was doing. And she just kind of gave me tough love. I don't think it was social pressure. It wasn't like, hey, you're the man of the house. You got to pick it up a notch. She's not like that at all. She just was kind of like, hey, what are you doing? Like, if you're not going to slap yourself in the face, I will. So she kind of gave me that proverbial kick in the ass. And it worked. You know, I was like, yeah, you're right. I need to step it up or else I'm just going to sit here and come up with ideas instead of taking action on an idea and testing it out. So I finally, you know, was pushed to the the brink of, hey, I need to test this out to prove this concept. Even if, you know, not everything's perfect, I would argue nothing was perfect, but I did it and I launched it and I made money and then I was able to literally take that money, reinvest it, and like I never had to take a dollar. I think I started with like fifty dollars from like our, my wife and I shared checking account, and that fifty dollars was like the initial seed investment for what has you know become Wad Prep. So it was just really cool that she was the one that lovingly kind of pushed me out of the nest and made me launch. And then it, that, that like lit the fire under me and it was downhill ever since.
0: I think there's also something to say about the way you interpret that as well, because you, you've you sort of framed that in a very positive light and it's almost as if you're kind of determined to succeed. And what she was saying to you was kind of just fueling that if, if anything, I think that's in contrast to some people I know who have who kind of take it in an overly negative, almost de- defeatist way. So I think an important takeaway for, for any listeners from from that is if you are having influence or, or pressure from family members or friends, then use that as a kind of fuel to light your fire and, and get what you want to do done. Uh, I think that's a very important thing.
1: It's really easy to like it's so easy to play the role of a victim. It's so easy and it's a pep talk I need to have with myself. It's a pep talk I have with my athletes, you know, the people that we coach, my employees. It's so easy to blame other people for your lack of blank, lack of output, lack of discipline, lack of consistency. It's so, so easy to just put the burden on someone else. I'm sorry. It is your burden. I don't care how bad you have it. I've had it really good, but I don't care how bad you've had it. There's someone who's had it worse than you that has picked themselves up by their boots and and put in the work and gotten it done. So like I try to tell myself like whenever I hear myself making an internal excuse, whether it's valid or not, I just try to shut it down and do the thing anyway and take action. And luckily I had my supporter, you know, my wife who still plays that role today, uh, and as she's actually starting to try to launch her own business as well and I'm playing the same role that she did back then where I'm like, "Hey, you know, stop thinking about all this stuff, just take action." She did that for me and it just allowed me to kind of get out of my funk. I didn't blame her, I didn't blame anyone else. I was just like, "Nope, you're right. I need to suck it up and take action." So so don't allow yourself to play the victim, because that is the worst role to play in life, is to be the victim.
0: Do you think that your experience with CrossFit and kind of high intensity training has had a positive influence on your discipline in business?
1: Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it keeps me sane. It's almost like meditative. <laughs> I think I, I don't think I said that right, but it's like in meditation, like when I'm doing hard things on purpose. All of a sudden, doing other hard things like intellectually, like creating something, becomes easier. If you're someone who's always trying to make things easy, always. Like no matter what you do, you are looking for what is the 80 20 here? What's the easiest possible way for me to do this? If you're always looking for the easy way, then you're never gonna do anything difficult. And that's where growth happens, right? Like I'm actually reading a book, uh, Mastery by Robert Greene right now. It's kind of like an old school book. And it's just fantastic because it's talking about like out of the strain, out of the the discipline, out of the focus, out of the pain and agony that is like being dedicated to one's life's task. That's where greatness comes from. So if you're someone who's trying to like make an impact on other people's lives or even, you know, if you're... Purely in this to just make a really successful business that'll provide for you financially, that and that you can provide for your family or whoever financially, you're gonna have to hustle and you're gonna have to have some blood, sweat, and tears because you can't just wake up one day and lollygag your way into having a successful business. It's just it's too difficult of a landscape these days. So yeah, long story short, I'm getting a little preachy here, but yeah, like CrossFit does play the role for me. I think anyone who who goes into business should have something outside of the business that challenges them mentally and physically. And I think, you know, fitness training, whether it's CrossFit or bodybuilding or swimming or triathlete or any sort of fitness challenges you both physically and mentally. And I think that prepares you for what's to come when you're, you know, struggling and straining in front of that computer. How
0: long did it take you to get to? what I would term job replacement income where you're making, you know, a few thousand dollars a month and kind of can fully support yourself from your, your income from, or your profit rather from your, your site.
1: Let's see. I want to say it took one year. So, and I say a year with an asterisk. So it all depends on what you declare the official start date. But I think about one year, from when I launched Muscle Up Madness, which was my first course ever. And the reason it was called Muscle Up Madness is because I took Andre Chaperone's copywriting course called Autoresponder Madness, and I thought it was a cool name. So that was actually, that was one of the uh, foundational courses that I took that like, taught me how to sell via email, which has been the most important aspect of my business, well beyond any website or anything. It was how to sell via email. So anyway... Muscle up madness. After selling that, I'd say approximately one year later, we were again. We at that point it was still just myself. I was making a couple thousand dollars a month, and then it has snowballed kind of significantly since then. But yeah, I'd say I'd say about a year. And it, again, it all depends on what you define as income replacement. You know, for us, since my wife has a really good salary and we share all of our expenses. It was actually uh, student loan payments is what, I, you know, all of this cash flow was going towards and, and stuff like that. But, but yeah.
0: And in order to achieve that, what was your strategy? Did you build and sell more courses or did you do something with the existing course to sell more of, more of that? How did you achieve it?
1: My number one focus for the entire first year was email list growth. That was it. I didn't care about the, the dollars at all, which is unique. But because I was married and, and she, you know she has a very stable income, I didn't need to focus on the dollar bills right away, which was, I think, a, an advantage for me. So that entire first year, it was pure email list growth. And then once I basically got to a lot of emails, once I had a lot of people on my list, then I started selling. And I was like, oh, wow, if I can make a few hundred dollars off of a course with a couple hundred people on my email list it scales significantly when I have 20,000 people on my email list. So that was really the focus for me. was email list growth, email list growth, email list growth. And that came from producing free content for Facebook, YouTube. And then eventually I did some Instagram, but mainly Facebook and YouTube were the big ones. And then I would just lead all of those viewers to a landing page that gave them some sort of extra free stuff associated with crossfit so like hey you want to learn how to take your training to the next level you know after watching this video go to wadprep.com and download a free you know training guide and basically i just i get these people used to getting really awesome free content from me and then that allowed me to run launches so i launched muscle of madness and then i think about six seven months later i launched double unders unleashed or actually, let me correct myself. I launched Muscle Up Madness, which was a standalone info product, basically. It's still to this day is relatively unchanged and still very successful. The next product I launched was, I did a couple like, I called a mastermind groups, but basically they were like small group coaching sessions. So I kept launching these like, hey, I have 10 spots where I'm gonna work with 10 people on how to fix this movement. Let's say double unders or snatches or... Pull-ups, and what I did was I'd take these ten people, I'd figure out what worked and what didn't work. I'd write all this this programming. I'd, I'd brainstorm. I'd see the results, and then I'd take those results, and then I create a full-blown course off of it. My first one was how to do double unders, which again is a jump rope technique. It's where you jump and pass the rope under your feet twice. So I had ten people that I coached through that. We had incredible transformations. So I captured those testimonials. Came up with a name for the course, which eventually became Double Unders Unleashed. And then I sold that to my email list, made a good chunk of money. And then I just I basically have continued to launch new products, tweak old existing offers, uh, and continually make new and better offers or better packages. And what's cool is that since I didn't start by creating, hey, all you need is this one program and it will solve all of your needs. I instead segmented everything out to allow me to create a lot of different programs. It allows me to keep selling to the same customers and they keep buying. And all of my new customers can go back and you know buy through my product library and all of the future courses that I'm releasing. So most major companies, when they, like, uh, let's use Ford or Chrysler or Toyota as an example, they don't just come out and release one really good car. Right? They're not just like, here's our car and it's great. The Toyota Corolla, you're welcome. No, they're always creating new models. They're always creating new vehicles. They're updating old ones. They're creating different offerings for different parts of the market. And that's kind of what we've done. So we've gone from that first course being Muscle Up Madness to where now we have 14 courses at the moment with several more that are you know, currently in production. And it's kind of turned into this machine and it's been working really well.
0: I think that's a really interesting approach you have for creating the course itself. You said you had some kind of personalized one-on-one, I guess it was over Skype or something coaching.
1: Yeah, it was Slack actually. We ran it in
0: Slack and then you used the kind of interaction there to decide what to include in the in the course, like to to structure the course content yeah. itself. Yeah, that's really clever, getting sort of hands-on feedback to what actually moves the needle and, and gets results for people. Yep. How big are your courses? How many videos are they? And do you have a studio at home? How do you go about creating them?
1: Yeah, so the courses, they're eight weeks long for the student or the athlete to take. Each week just has three days worth of programming because that's you know a nice little bite-sized chunk that doesn't affect their normal training. It just is a kind of like an accessory to add on. In terms of how many videos, I guess it's it's difficult to define. But I'd say in each course, there's less than an hour of video per course. And each one of my courses sells for $200 or $197.
0: Has that price point evolved over the years?
1: Yeah, uh, I was about to say Muscle of Madness when I first sold it was $27. And now it's $197. We've made improvements, but in large part, it's it's very similar to the way you know it, it used to be. And the reason I've gone towards more premium pricing is it gets me a better customer. But anyway, to finish the, the question that was asked, each course has less than an hour's worth of video. And then in terms of production, it's pretty low. It's not like super high production value. I just structure it in a way that's super easy to understand. So I take my, my GoPro and go to the gym and shoot all of my movement demonstrations And then I come back to the computer and I'll do like voiceovers on my videos and and then do a lot of my coaching through there. So like here you can see me doing X when I want to do Y. So if you ever see yourself doing X, make sure you do Y instead and kind of build that in throughout the course. And yeah. And then obviously I shoot here in the room that I'm talking to you in, I shoot some like introduction videos to the course. So like just me standing in front of a white screen or a black screen that's like, hey, what's up? Welcome to uh, Double Unders Unleashed. In this course, you're going to learn how to do double unders and here are all the features and here's the private Facebook group and here's all the, you know, so I onboard them and I make sure that I kind of hold their hand through the process so that they feel confident in their purchase. But ultimately, it's really not overly produced. I think one of the most important things is to keep it simple and effective. I don't want to overdo it with the course. I want to make sure it's just the right amount of information.
0: What technology platform do you use for hosting and selling your, your courses? What uh, is your site on WordPress? What plugins do you use? All, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. So right now my my tech stack is WordPress. I run, you know, basically the front facing part of my website is is on Thrive Themes. And that's worked out really well. We have a developer who really understands Thrive Themes. So she just kicks butt whenever I'm like, can we do this thing that I think might be cool? She says yes, and then does it. So WordPress, Thrive Themes, my cart system is Thrive Cart, which is not associated with Thrive Themes. They're different, but I just happen to like both of them. So Thrive Cart is like where all of my payment processing happens. And then my actual delivery of the courses is within Teachable. So Teachable is a super simple platform where my users create a login account, you know, username, password, they can log in through my Teachable portal and get access to all of their courses. It's automatically mobile friendly. And it just made a lot more sense than trying to build it all into one website. So I just have these very clean, basically buckets. It's like you have my my normal website, and then I have the checkout page, and then I have, here's where the customers go, and they go to the teachable course dashboard. And if there's any connections that aren't as easy to put together, I use Zapier and have figured out how to connect, watching lots of YouTube videos, how to connect these apps together with Zapier.
0: Where do you get your customers from primarily? Because I know you don't do much SEO, uh, at least at the moment, and you're primarily focused on
1: video, I think. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So from the get-go, and this is kind of from back from when I talked about that, it was either, hey, monetize quickly is option A, or option B is provide value first. Luckily, we chose option B to provide value, and that's what we've been about ever since. My strength as a you know, business owner, as the person kind of driving the ship, my strength is just standing in front of a camera and teaching people how to do these complex movements and skills. So anything that's video-based has done well for us. So YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, those are my three main platforms. We have like 65,000 followers on YouTube at the moment, 140-ish thousand followers on Facebook, and 40,000-ish followers on Instagram, and that's all been from creating high-value video content. And I just always have call to actions to send people to landing pages to download more free content for me. And obviously, when they do that, they're then signed up for my email list. And my email list is obviously a mix of good free content, and then launches for courses that we've launched previously and are relaunching or courses that we're releasing in the future.
0: For the videos themselves, do you have kind of structure of how you create those of what you want to include those. What do you specifically mean when you say high value video content?
1: When it comes to the videos, at least with like my content flow here is okay. People uh, let me try to use a, an example recently. Let's say, okay, one movement that's complex and confusing for people is something called a toast to bar. If you don't know what it is, look it up and look it up on YouTube. You'll probably find us, but a toes-to-bar is a difficult movement for a lot of people so i have a ton of different videos on youtube about how to do toes-to-bar. but whenever i create a specific video let's talk about how to fix the tarzan swing of a toes-to-bar. so basically you're someone who's swinging back and forth and you just can't figure out how to link your reps together on toes-to-bar. i create a youtube video specifically for that and in the youtube video I structure it as there's an introduction, there's a call to action, there's the meat, which is where I deliver all of the coaching content, and then there's a sign off and a call to action. So you can see there's a it's a call to action sandwich where I'm always, you know, suggesting that people go download something. I'll, I'll actually give you an example this is kind of off the cuff. So, hey, what's up everyone? This is Ben from Wild Prep, and today I'm going to teach you a step-by-step progression to learn how to fix your toes-to-bar. Really quick, if you're someone who really wants to learn toes-to-bar, make sure you go to wadprep.com slash TTB, where you can download our ultimate guide to toes-to-bar completely free. And let's get started with the video, step one, step two, step three, step four, blah, blah, blah. So you can see it's like, I show them what they're gonna learn in the video, I give them a juicy call to action, and then I make sure that my content is really good by Basically, just doing a really good job explaining the intricacies of the of the coaching that I'm trying to present, and then at the end, it's hey, hope you like this video. Remember, if you're still working on Toast Bar after watching this video, go download more free training here, and you know, click like, blah 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 blah. So that's kind of the format for all of my longer videos that go on YouTube. And then what we do is we take those videos and we super duper condense them to one minute long very visual versions of those videos. And those are the ones that we post on, on platforms like Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Cause that's, you know, they, it just tends to do better if you have really tight, short videos on those platforms.
0: Yeah. And if anyone wants to check some of these out, they can go to, I think it's facebook.com slash what prep, and they can see all, all your videos there. Some of them I, I see have like 900,000, 500,000 views, which is a lot more than your actual, subscribers or people who like your page rather. Why is it that they go viral? What is it specifically that you do that achieves that?
1: So I think our, our most viral video right now stands at like a little over 6 million views. And we have a few other ones that are over a million, several in the hundreds of thousands. It's literally just when you find yourself on a distraction platform, that's what Instagram and Facebook are. They're distractions, literally The only thing people do on on those platforms is be distracted. So if you're releasing content on a distraction platform, your job is to distract the audience from their distraction. I know I'm getting very meta here, but basically if someone's scrolling through their Facebook newsfeed and they come across your video, how long do you have before that thumb hits the screen again and keeps scrolling? Right? Very limited window. So in every one of our videos, the first three to four seconds, I make sure to hook them in so that if they're the viewer who would be interested in this content, let's use toast to Bar again as an example. The first three seconds of my condensed video for Instagram and Facebook, the first three seconds is going to be a video of me with a pain face struggling and swinging around like an idiot trying to do toast to Bar. And then there's going to be a big, bold text on the screen that says struggling with toes to bar with a question mark. And then it goes into the video. So like if someone's scrolling through their feed and they suck at, at toes to bar and they happen to follow Wad prep or one of their friends of a friend follows Wad prep and shares my video and they're a CrossFitter, they see that and immediately they're hooked. They're like, yeah, that's totally me. And then they watch the rest of the video because it's very appealing and you've hooked them in. But if you start your videos on these platforms with like some introduction with your logo and it, and then it like some text on the screen, it's just like, okay, bye. You're never going to get engagement. So on Instagram and then Facebook specifically where all the virality happens, really important to hook them in. And then also I, I make sure to tell them to share the video. Like literally at the end of the video, I'm just like, share this video if you love XYZ or share this video if... You're working on toes to bar, you know, something as simple as that. But just giving them that instruction makes them want to hit the share button. And then thanks to Facebook, when they share, all of their friends see it. If one of their friends' friends sees it, it, you know, it just has this magnifying effect to it.
0: That's really interesting, actually. Yeah, I think what's so important there is you tailor your video to each platform. So you have the same overall content approach. So you're talking about specific movement for video and for Facebook, but you edit it to be pretty much entirely different videos. The Facebook one being all about stopping the scroll and getting people to to watch and sharing it and and that sort of thing versus the YouTube being, I guess, more kind of in depth in that way.
1: Yeah. It's very important to understand your platforms. So this is a shout out to Adam Lincoln Auger, He basically was the mentor. As soon as I started to get into the online business thing, I started, this is when I was living in California. I started searching the internet for like, what are other examples of businesses that could potentially resemble mine? Like I want to learn from someone. Uh, And I stumbled across Adam. He owns a company called I Love Basketball TV. And basically his whole company is creating high value videos, teaching people kids how to play basketball. And then they sell courses on the individual aspects of the game of basketball. So if you want to get better at shooting three-pointers, they have a course for three-pointers. If you want to get better at dribbling, they have a course for dribbling, all that stuff. And I was like, oh my God, this is just like me trying to sell CrossFit stuff. And in following Adam, one of the things he always you know, preached to me and preaches to everyone is he tells people, you have to make content for the platform that you're posting that content on one of the easiest ways to fall on deaf ears is to make one video and just blast it everywhere like hey i made a video twitter facebook instagram youtube right freaking vine whatever (laughs) On a snapchat do any of these things still exist i don't even know but like you don't do that you're not going to do well it's better if you master one platform and then if you're going to let's say have multiple platforms like i do make sure that your content is specifically tailored for each platform. So that's why YouTube very much, especially nowadays, has a much different longer video because YouTube cares a lot more about things like watch time, how long are people staying on the page. People on YouTube tend to stay a lot longer than on the distraction platforms like Instagram and Facebook. It's a totally different dynamic. People aren't going to Facebook searching how to do toes to bar but they are doing that on YouTube. So you're, you're dealing with two totally different types of people and you need to understand that in your content production. What do
0: your product launches look like and how do you structure them?
1: So the, the product launches, I followed several different models, but essentially one of the the best things that we've ever done and we continue to do is whenever we're launching a product, we start by releasing a lot of Basically, pre-launch content. So, bunch like whether it's free videos on YouTube or we'll do a series of blog posts. Now that we are actually diving into SEO, hold on to your seat, Mark. We are diving into SEO. It's a thing we're doing now. It's a very exciting time here at WOD Prep. But we'll we'll make a couple, you know, keyworded SEO blog posts. We'll just basically we'll warm up our email list with a series of very high value pieces of content surrounding a specific movement. So let me give you an example of how to do a pull-up. Uh, learning a strict, you know, non-kipping pull-up is a very important thing for anyone to learn. So when we knew we were going to launch our strict pull-up strength course, we backed up a couple months and started posting videos on YouTube, started writing blog posts, started reaching out to other people and getting them to share our stuff. And then it all led to eventually doing an email launch sequence where the week before I let people know that strict pull-up strength would be coming next week. And I told them what it's all about, who it's for, who it's not for, stay tuned for next week. So all this time, you're kind of just like building this this suspense, building this excitement. And then Monday, we open the doors for strict pull-up strength and send basically an email a day for the course of five or six days and then actually close the course having that strict launch window has been really really important for us because i don't know kind of like working out to everyone listening who you know doesn't work out or you know finds it hard to stick with the gym imagine if gyms you could only join them for one week out of the year otherwise there's no possible way you'll ever get to work out like nope you're you're not going to be fit this year unless you join the gym this week a lot more people are going to be like oh shoot well if i'm going to get fit in 3 months from now but i only have this opportunity to get fit now i need to join this gym well the same thing happens when i'm selling these courses if i just left these courses open for a la carte join whenever you want a lot of times these pain points aren't strong enough to like get people to buy so i add a little scarcity into the equation i say hey this course is only going to be open from monday until friday or let's say monday until the next monday and this is the enrollment period. This is a course you're going to have you know, coaches in the Facebook group. This is your chance to master and learn the strict pull-up. So this is when you need to join. And then once the doors are closed, we actually close the doors and people can't join. And having that scarcity combined with a real launch, it gets a lot of people excited. And we have a lot of very happy, motivated customers you know on the back end.
0: Yeah, I think pretty much any course creator who does well will will also tell you that this creating scarcity is the number 1 or certainly top 3 important factors when when selling a course when when doing a product launch even though it is kind of manufactured by by closing it there. Uh, I noticed on your site that you you have some of your courses open on your on your courses page and some closed. How do you manage all that? Do you have a, a period of time where you close it after a launch and then reopen it? Or what's your strategy there?
1: Yep. Since we had kind of like a, I guess, a, a down period recently, we're preparing for the CrossFit Open. I manually just opened several of my courses simply because our current student load, like the amount of people that we have enrolled and actively going through our courses is kind of low right now. So my coaches can accept more people. So I went ahead and I opened a couple courses just literally of my own doing. Like, yep, I think we can take more in this course, this course, and this course. In terms of how do we plan, normally, I'm actively communicating with my coaches and saying, you know, hey, what is the volume like? Are we missing comments? Is there Are there too many people uh, in one particular Facebook group? Is there too much volume of, of coaching inquiries on this one particular course? And I will, you know, open and close courses that way. And then obviously, like for instance, my nutrition course, we open that once per year and that's it. So our nutrition course is open for that one week in January when everyone's motivated to make nutrition decisions. And then the rest of the year, it's closed. So some of them are open, you know, once per year, just simply because I think it makes more sense. Yeah, I think that answers your question.
0: What do the coaches that you mentioned, what do they actually do? And actually, how big is your team and what are the key roles you have in there?
1: One of my coaches came from that double under mastermind group that I mentioned way back, basically that beta testing group. He actually saw really great results. And then I saw how amazing he was and I recruited him to be a coach. And the coaches are basically, they are the moderators inside our private Facebook groups. So when you join one of our courses, you obviously get the juicy insider tactics and videos that exist within the course. But in my opinion, to be a good CrossFit coaching curriculum, you have to have some coaching support. You have to have some eyes on you. So that's why we have a private Facebook group associated with each one of our courses. So I have a team of three or four coaches, depending on which programs are running at the time. I have a team of three or four coaches that go through these Facebook groups on a daily basis and provide feedback. They provide suggestions based on the videos that these athletes are being prompted to post. So let's say like week two, day one of the Double Unders Unleashed course, we're like, hey, make sure you post a video of this drill to the Facebook group. We have a link. They click the link. It takes them to the Facebook group on the specific post We want them to post the video to, they post the video. And then one of our coaches, whoever's managing that particular group is going to come within the next couple of days and give them some feedback on the video they submitted. And so far it's, it's been very scalable. Like we have thousands of students and we still only have four coaches because the coaches are able to just knock out these comments and give a great experience despite it being, you know, it's not like one-on-one coaching where we're hopping on video coaching calls But we're still able to convey a lot of information very clearly through these groups. And do you pay them on a sort of
0: per hourly basis?
1: I despise hourly pay. I don't know. I like. I remember when I worked hourly for my dad, I would just find ways to just kind of waste the day away, but still look sort of productive. So ever since that, I've never, as like a CEO, I've never been like, oh, hourly sounds like a good idea. Not saying I don't trust them, but... To me, I'm much more motivated by a salary. So we ha- I've negotiated salaries with each one of my coaches. You get X amount of dollars per month and I'm expecting you to work up to this many hours. If you don't need to work that many hours, that's fine. If you need to work more and it stays, you know, heavier than you were expecting, you can always come back and renegotiate. But, you know, if you accept this salary, here's the duties I want you to perform. Go do them. I don't care how long it takes. And what's great is it allows the coaches to work at their own pace, whether that's very fast and efficient or very slow and methodical. I don't care as long as the work gets done and the athletes are happy. And that's kind of how I've treated my entire team. My team right now is, I'd say it's 10 people. And then I have a couple other very much like consultants that are, they're still in my Slack group and, and like helping out. But like I have a copywriter and I have a couple other people that are very much just consultants that help with specific projects. And then I have 10 people who are like every day logging in, providing commentary and, and, you know, engaging with the team.
0: Do you run many paid ads or paid traffic sources?
1: That is one of my kind of consultants that we've, that's that's joined us recently. And it's something that we're dipping into. So the last I'd say last four or five launches that we've run, we've done some retargeting ads and they've done really well. And I know that there's a lot more than just retargeting that you can do. And that's something that he's come in and he's developing a framework and developing a strategy where we're slowly but surely going to start getting some cold traffic and start really targeting down on creating some funnels. I know it's something that you've been telling me to do for a long time. Whenever I log into the dashboard, it makes me want to cry. Yeah, I have someone who's helping me out with that, and so far so good. It, it's been really cool to like slowly but surely start to see some dollars come in and some positive ROI, even after paying him and even after paying for the ads. We're still getting some good return on these, you know, evergreen funnels. We're starting to drive paid traffic to. I'm in a
0: mastermind with a, a couple of other businesses who are structured somewhat similar to yours in in different niches, but it's just interesting that you've sort of landed at the Two hundred dollar price point, which is exactly the same as as they do as well, and they're heavy, heavy into Facebook ads. Uh, so I think there's a, I think by having that premium pricing, you allow yourself when you get into cold traffic enough budget to kind of spend what you need to spend in order to attract customers through through that channel. So I have no doubt when you get into that, you'll be you'll be successful with it.
1: I'm very excited about it, and I think like having the foundation of organic traffic, like even if everything goes to crap, like let's say it fails, we still have the organic lead engine churning at all times, uh, which I think is... is I guess sets my mind at ease. But yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we definitely need to really start digging into the paid traffic.
0: What are your plans for the future in terms of growth? You mentioned uh, previously, you're looking at doing some more organic and you got this Facebook thing going on. How do you see the, the business growing over the next two, three years?
1: So I'm very excited, number one, to finally start Playing with paid traffic, I think we're still only scratching the surface of what the organic side can do But with the organic side growing at a nice slow steady pace Increasing the speed at which we acquire new customers and really tightening our our funnels With some paid traffic, I think could be really beneficial So that's one major thing that I want to investigate is the paid traffic number two is I'm very interested to expand beyond Our small niche. So, we've definitely focused on a very small niche that is very specific to CrossFitters who experience these specific pain points and want to get better at these very particular movements. The next layer that I'd like to investigate is basically expanding my circle of influence. So, instead of focusing on the person who already CrossFits and cares enough about it to want to get better at XYZ movement, I want to finally start to figure out the psychology of attracting people to get into the gym. And I, that's obviously a much bigger market. You know, if we're looking, I imagine it like a like a dartboard. You know, right now we're at the very middle where the bullseye is. But as soon as we start expanding beyond just CrossFit or beyond just these competitive CrossFit athletes, we start to expand and there's a much bigger Serving size that we can particularly reach out to, so I'm excited about that. Expanding into slightly broader industries, increasing our paid traffic, and then before we start to expand too much into you know potentially widening our audience base, we still do have a few more courses that are going to be hits. They're going to be really well produced, and they still need to be launched. So we have a couple. Um, courses on on weightlifting that'll be coming out this year. I have a couple other courses that we've developed, we've just never released them. We have a few courses on how to help people train through in and around pain. So whether they came to CrossFit from another sport, or whether they're training so much that they hurt themselves, or whether they're just, you know, a lot of people just have pre existing injuries, uh, or they're just old. You know, we have a lot of people who are 65 years old who are doing our course and they're like, hey, my back hurts and I don't know why. But we're going to help them solve those issues. So there's still so much more that we can be doing. And I think it's important for any business, you don't need to rush. So I like to take a deep breath. We take it one play at a time and slowly but surely just start to you know build out our product offerings and making sure that we learn from each launch and then apply what we learned, both good and bad, to the next launch and just keep making those launches better and better and better. Awesome. You sound like you have it all planned out. Oh, yeah, but it's all in my head. So, you know, it could come crashing down at any time. (laughs) What is your favorite business book? Man, that is a great question. I have a bookshelf full of them. But to be quite honest with you, the, the most impactful one that I've ever read, there's two of them. Number one is Profit First. And I know you and I have, have talked about that. Profit First is one of the only books where I read it cover to cover and then immediately applied the principles to my business and they are still in action today. I still run the Profit First checklist that I created in Google Docs. You know, I still run that checklist every 10th and 25th of every month I've never missed a paycheck for my team. Everyone knows when they're getting paid. They know that it's the 10th and 25th and the finances just work and we've been very profitable. It's allowed me to totally wipe out my wife's student loans and it's, you know, we're starting to make lots of bigger investments and it's it's all because Profit First helped me just get my shit together when it comes to the business finances. So that's number 1. And then number 2, this is more of like a personal productivity A lot of us look for hacks. A lot of us look for like little cool apps that we can install. But without a doubt, the best personal productivity book I ever read was Deep Work by Cal Newport. And also another plug to his most recent book, Digital Minimalism. That is a fantastic one-two punch on personal productivity. I've read the book six times. Every time I need a kick in the butt and I'm not feeling as productive as I should be, I, you know, blaze through it on Audible while I'm, you know, walking the dogs or something like that and it's just incredible to see how much you can get done with a deep focused block of work. It is absolutely incredible. So those are the two Slash three books I'd recommend.
0: Yeah, I, I've read it first myself and completely agree. One of the best business books out there. I uh, haven't read Deep Work though. So I'm as soon as we finish this podcast, I'm going on Audible. And I'm getting that. I'm starting it today. I've heard several people mention that and they they, they seem to have got gone a lot out from it. So thanks for that recommendation.
1: You got to do digital minimalism as well. Um, if you need a break from Cal Newport... After Deep Work, I understand because he, he kind of punches you in the gut. But Digital Minimalism, I read it cover to cover in 48 hours last week, and it was fantastic as well. So, a must read for anyone who uses technology.
0: Should I read them in order, the Deep Work first, or does it not matter?
1: No, it, it actually wouldn't matter. Either one would be totally fine first.
0: Okay. Is there anything that I have not asked you which you think I should have asked you?
1: No, I don't think so. I think if there's anything, like if there's any tidbit that I like, want to get across to anyone who might be listening to this that, you know, feels stagnated where they are in business, or they haven't, you know, grown to the level of success they want to, or maybe they're just trying to start the business. Like, Tim Ferriss actually has a quote that's like, I think he took the quote from someone else. But I remember him saying it, it's never hurried, never paused and I'm sure it was a quote from someone else, but I just remember Tim saying it. Don't rush to try to get all of these cool things done. Like, Don't rush into Facebook chatbots because people say it's the coolest thing on earth and they're getting 97% open rates because you're going to rush over there and then when some new shiny object comes up, you're going to rush over there and you're just going to basically be a chicken running around with your head cut off. Focus on on making slow, steady, sustainable progress. And if you can have slow, steady, sustainable progress, then you're going to be a lot more successful in two or three years, four years from now, than you would be just trying to hop around from fancy new tactic to fancy new tactic. And that's why I've personally been so slow into the paid traffic game, probably to a fault, but we still have been a wildly profitable company. And I, and I feel like now we're very strongly positioned to get into that simply because we've just stayed focused on what our bread and butter is. And we're not rushing at anything. We're just being very diligent and very thoughtful and very, I guess, deep in the way that we work and and our intentions. So that's just like, I don't know, that's like one of the biggest things that I wish I could go back and tell myself when I first was kind of getting into this.
0: I feel exactly the same. I, I call it shiny object syndrome, jumping from, from the flavor of the month to the next thing. So if there are any Bitcoin investors or ex-Bitcoin investors listening to this, <laughs> then uh, maybe a takeaway there. Listen, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. This was one of the best interviews I think I've, I've ever done. You articulate yourself very well. And you've, you've the rate at which you've grown your business and how it is today compared to when, when we first met is super impressive. And I have no doubt you will go on to do incredible things. So we'll keep a close eye on you and your future success. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. Is there any anything you want to plug, promote, any way in which people should get in touch with you if they if they want?
1: Yeah, so I'd be happy to to share my email. It's just Ben at wadprep.com. And when you email that account, my assistant will probably see it and maybe flag it and or delete it if she thinks it's spam. So just mention that you you like heard this podcast and you know mention Mark and Gail and then she probably won't delete it and then I'll see it. It will take me a while to respond to emails. My response rate is horrendous. But if you're willing to wait, I I promise I will respond and and answer any questions you might have or do my best to give you my feedback. I love hearing other business ideas and, and just sharing my thoughts on This crazy thing called online business. Oh, and if you also have unsolicited advice for all the ways my website is broken, you can also send those to me. (laughs) So I'm happy to hear it and also just totally happy to help. And I got to thank you, Mark. I know you and I met at a conference, man, four years ago at this point almost. And this was still when I was kind of like formulating what the heck we were going to do. You know, we were only making, I think, a, a few grand a month at the time. And Mark, was like one of the few people who I sat down and talked to. And he just gave me some really good, solid advice. And was just like, dude, you're going to crush it. Keep going. And then, you know, two years later, I was presenting at that same conference. And, and you know, a lot of that came to those notes that I jotted down when, you know, me and you were talking at that one table. So I appreciate you, Mark. And what you guys have here is, is pretty awesome.
0: Awesome. Once again, Ben Zawalski from wadprep.com. Thanks very much for your time. And uh, thank you, audience, for, for tuning in today. We'll hopefully have some more of these kind of interviews coming out over the next couple months. If you enjoyed them, then don't forget to rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, we are now on Spotify as well, so you can check us out there too. And as always, we will see you guys next Monday.